Welcome to week two of the Christmas Hope series here at Three Circle Church. I'm really glad you joined us today from wherever you are. Maybe you're on your couch or your back porch. Maybe you're in a car riding down the road listening. Uh, but we're really glad from wherever you are that you are with us today as we celebrate this season, this Christmas season. And we're looking at different reasons that we should have hope because of the birth of Christ. You're hearing the songs everywhere. You're seeing the trees. Your house probably is decorated or it soon will be. You have parties and get-togethers, but all that looks a little different this year, doesn't it, with COVID. We are distanced and we are masked. But regardless of how hard it is, we're all still trying to attempt to celebrate this wonderful season called Christmas. And we are looking at the reasons the birth of Christ actually gives us hope. And we need hope, don't we? I mean, we are living in a hopeless time, it seems, with a pandemic and racial strife and cultural strife and political divisions, the vitriol that's online, uh, the anger, all of it put together makes it a really, really tough time, doesn't it? So we need hope. And hope is a very important thing. And we learned in week one that we can have hope in the birth of Christ because our God knows when to show up for us. He came at just the right time. He showed up and He kept His promises. And since we know that He kept His promises to us by sending His Son on that Bethlehem night, Christmas, then we know that we can trust Him for the future as well. Well, today we're going to look at another reason we can have hope, and it's this. Because our God not only knows when to show up for us, He knows when to speak up for us. Today we're going to look at the astounding truth in the Bible that our God, the living God, the one and only God, He is the God who speaks. I love Christmas time, and I have two sons and a daughter. And when my daughter was really, really little, we got her this little baby doll that looked like the real thing. Have you ever seen one of these? Maybe you have one at your house too. I mean, this thing will freak you out. It looks so realistic. And when, when she saw it, she went crazy and she'd carry this little baby around the house all the time. And I'm telling you that if you were to just walk in my house, you would really think that that baby was real. It had all the features, the eyes, the hands, uh, the skin texture. There's only one difference between that baby and a real living baby. That baby was fake. It was dead, right? There was, there was no life. It was just an inanimate object that looked like the real thing, but it was not at all. It could not speak. That's the one thing that little baby never did. And even if you have one of those dolls that maybe does have a recorder that makes a noise, you know it's not coming out of that, that baby. It's a pre-recorded device that was put inside of that toy. It's just a toy. Well, you know what? Every false god that humans have ever come up with all across the Bible you see it, all across the Old Testament, and even today. In the Bible you see many gods that were idols of people that had names like Baal and others. Today it can come in different forms like success and careers and money and, and status. Now, whatever the case, whatever the idols we've come up with, they can never really speak to us. But the Bible speaks to us about the living God. And, and Christmas is a time that we celebrate the living God coming to us. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, while there were many gods worshipped as idols throughout the Bible, fake gods, inanimate gods, the one true and living God, He speaks. And we're going to see that today in the events surrounding the original Christmas story. In the Old Testament, there was this incredible prophet by the name of Elijah. And he served the one and true living God, our God, the God of the Bible. 
And there was a showdown that took place between him and the prophets of Baal on a place called Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal, they worshipped a false god, a fake god, a god that they had made with their own hands. Kind of like that fake baby doll uh, that my little girl had. And they, they decided they'd have a contest. So they built this altar and they wanted to see whose god would send fire down from heaven. Well, the prophets of Baal went first. And in 1 Kings, we see that they go through this very elaborate display of their asking of their false god to pour fire down on that altar. But nothing happened. And there's this astounding verse uh, that really tells the story of idols and fake gods. It says this, Although the prophets of Baal made a lot of noise, they danced, they sang, they chanted, they prayed. The Bible says there was no voice and there was no answer. Why? Why? Because Baal was not the true and living God. But we all know the story. When Elijah stepped up and called on the living God, the one true God, the God of Israel, the God of Moses and Jacob and Abraham, our God, the God of the Bible, fire fell down from heaven because our God is the living God. And we're going to find out today as we take another look from a different angle of the Christmas story that the, the events surrounding that great story in Bethlehem teaches us, once again, we serve the God who speaks. And since we have a God who speaks, we can have hope. So today in the Christmas Hope series, we're going to take a look at four different times around the Christmas story where God spoke to people. And in all four of these instances, we're going to see that God is going to speak to humans, regular, ordinary humans like you and I, and they are all going to respond in very human ways. But we can learn so much from this. Today we're going to be reminded the Christmas story tells us that we can have hope. And one of the reasons we can have hope is that our God actually speaks. So let's jump into the scriptures. Let's take a look at four places around the Christmas story where God spoke to people. And let's look at their responses and let's explore what we can learn from that and how it can lead us to a place of incredible hope. If you have your Bibles, go with me now to the book of Luke, or if you have a device, an iPhone, an iPad, a computer, let's jump into the Word of God today. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to see that God spoke to a man by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah was a man of God. He loved his family. In fact, he will be the father to the very famous John the Baptist, who is known as the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. He came first, and he was the cousin of Jesus himself. 
But here we have Zechariah, and as he is in the holy place, something amazing happens. The living God of the Bible speaks to him. In chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, The angel said to him, Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So what we see here is God is speaking to Zechariah. Our God is not a dead God. He's not just a baby that looks real, but is really just a toy for a child to pretend. This is the real and living God. This is not the, the, the false God of the Old Testament, Baal, where you can sing and dance all day long and never get any answer, any response. No, here we have the living God. And here's what's amazing that we see right out of the gate with the Christmas story is that our God wants to communicate with us. It's stunning. And it's just because he loves us. Certainly we haven't earned it. Even a good man like Zechariah was still a sinner and he certainly had not earned the right for God to want to tell him anything, but he did. God wanted to speak to Zechariah and he wants to speak to us. And what we find here is God speaks to Zechariah through an angel. A messenger angel comes to him and the angel has really good news. He begins to tell him that that not only is the Messiah on the way, he calls him the Lord, Jesus, uh, but that Zechariah and his wife are going to have a child. Now, Zechariah and his wife are very, very old. They're elderly at this point. Uh, so it harkens back to the story of Abraham in the Old Testament. And a man who knew his Bible, who knew his Old Testament the way Zechariah did, should have picked up on that. But, but you're going to find out he did not. And what we're going to see is that the angel makes some very real promises to him. God is wanting Zechariah to know this. Not only that, God wants to encourage Zechariah. He tells him, this child is going to be a joy to you. He's going to be a blessing to you. Just amazing, amazing things that he's saying to Zechariah. But now what we're going to find, just like you and I, when God speaks to us, is that often we don't respond correctly. Often we respond in a very human way. So even the heroes of the Bible did that. Let's look at the response of Zechariah. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Now, I want to make you feel a little better about yourself for a moment, okay? If you are joining me right now and you've ever uh, disobeyed God or maybe God told you to do something and you ignored it uh, or maybe you just didn't believe what God was saying to you or didn't believe His Word, well, Zechariah was in the same spot. An angel was standing in front of him and Zechariah, when you look at the Greek here, it is, an, it is an imperative, it's emphatic. He's saying to the angel, I'm an old man. Like, you don't see this? Are you crazy? Do you not realize this is impossible? I'm an old guy. This isn't going to happen. And I love the equally emphatic response from Gabriel. If you look into the original language, you'll see that Zechariah got a little testy with Gabriel. 
And so Gabriel gets a little testy with him and he says, yeah, you're Zachariah and I'm Gabriel. And listen to these words. He said, and I've been sent to speak to you. And there it is. God wanted to speak to Zechariah. And I want you to know today, we can have hope. The Christmas story reminds us of this great hope because the living God of the universe that created all things wants to speak to you and has always wanted to speak to you and speak to us collectively as humans and individually. He's been speaking to us from the very first humans in the Garden of Eden. And He was speaking here and He still speaks to us today. So what we see is a very human response. This first one we look at today is that Zechariah, according to what the angel said, and the angel... Uh, by the power of God, could know what was really going on in his heart. And Zechariah did not believe. He did not believe the good news that, that God had given him. He didn't believe it could happen. And because of that, there was a consequence. It's a little bit funny in a, in a way. Zechariah didn't talk until John the Baptist was born. What about you today? What can we learn from that? When God speaks to you, and what we're going to find out today is that He's still speaking to us emphatically, by the way, clearly, by the way, clear as a bell through His Word and through His truth. Do you listen and believe? Do you believe? Even when you don't understand, do you trust and believe God? Even when it doesn't make sense, do you believe? Even when you're in a pandemic and the economy's upside down and everything looks bleak, do you still believe? You can, and that's exactly what God wants you to do. He's not going to just leave you out there hanging. He is the God who speaks. You're not, you're not serving a dead God. You're not serving a fake God. This is not the God made with human hands. This is the true and living God. And He speaks to us. In fact, we couldn't know Him if He didn't reveal Himself to us. He wants to, to, to show us who He is. He wants you to know Him, and He wants to speak to you. So Zechariah does something that many of us need to learn from and avoid. When God speaks to us, we need to believe what He says, even if it seems impossible. With Zechariah, it seemed like this could not happen. He was just too old. What about you? What are the impossible things in your life? The mountains that seem too high to climb. Uh, the rivers that seem too wide to cross in your life. What are you having a hard time trusting God with this Christmas season? I think we've all been tested in this. We've been stretched like a rubber band over the past year. Uh, from economies to pandemics, the COVID situation has been so confusing and hard for us all to deal with. We're all in it together, but it's been very difficult. And it could make someone begin to lose heart and lose trust and lose hope. But I'm here to tell you today that you can have hope this Christmas. And one of the big reasons is God is a God who speaks. And by the way, when He speaks, He tells the truth. That was the big problem Gabriel, the angel, had with Zechariah, that he didn't believe. He didn't believe. He could see it. And he did not believe that God was going to do this. He had a lack of trust in that moment. What about you? What are you not trusting God with right now? I want to remind you through Zechariah's story initially here that you can trust God and that He is speaking to you. The question is, are you listening? So as we look at the Christmas story, let's look at another person who God spoke to uh, with the Christmas story and the events surrounding it. And now we're going to look at Mary. Let's go back to the Word of God again, Luke chapter 1. And this time we're going to look at a verse 26 beginning there. and We're going to read all the way through uh, verse 38. Listen to this interaction. It says in ver verse 26, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth 
a town in Galilee to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked. And so now we see her response. We see the message from God, and now we see Mary respond. And by the way, it is very similar to Zechariah, but there is a huge difference we're going to see in just a moment. And what I want you to see again is the humanity. Again, we look at these people in the Bible often, we make them into heroes, like, like they're plastic, like they weren't real. They were real humans. And again, with Mary, Mary, the very mother of Jesus, we see a very human response. And, and listen to her response. How will this be? She asked a question. Since I am a virgin, Mary was pure. Mary had not been with a man. And so she thought, this is biologically impossible. How is this going to happen? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now listen now to Mary's response. See, Zechariah's response was emphatic. He had made up his mind. He didn't believe what this angel was saying to him. But Mary, Mary's different. Mary's was never a lack of belief. Mary's was fear. It was actually a form of humility. She didn't think she was worthy. And she thought, how can this happen? She was confused. But after hearing the message from the angel, listen to what she says in her second response, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And now we see the second person that we want to look at today. As we look at why we should have hope at Christmas that our God speaks to us. He's not, he's not turned the, the communication with us on silent mode. He's not ghosting you. He's not ignoring your text. He's not ignoring you when you pray. No, He speaks to us, wants to communicate with us. And here with Mary, we see this teenage girl, this virgin girl, this girl who had kept herself for marriage. She's pure. She loves God. And, and the angel comes, very similar to Zechariah, and has good news. The angel comes and says, Mary, God is with you. Man, what a great thing to hear. The angel could say the same to you today if you're a believer in, in Jesus. God is with you. Good news, right? And then he tells her something that seems impossible to her once again. He says, you're going to be with child. You're going to have a baby, and she doesn't understand how that's going to happen. And so her first response is one of humble misunderstanding. She's confused. She says, I don't know how this is going to happen again. A stark difference between Mary's very human response and Zachariah's. Zachariah was emphatic. I don't believe this. And Gabriel had to come right back at him. Gabriel does not talk to Mary the same way. And some of you will respond to God often the way Mary did. Maybe you just don't understand. Maybe you want to serve God, but it's really hard to see. It's a murky, blurry picture at times. That's okay. What you see here is that God is willing to clarify more for you. And he does with Mary here. And the angel says, here's how it's going to happen. And here's what I love. The response from Mary in the end was, I still don't understand it. Let's be honest. Mary, there's no way this young girl fully understood what was about to happen. 
seminary professors have been uh, dissecting those few verses. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and the power of God will come upon you. And how in the world did this happen? Listen, you need to understand that Mary didn't get it fully. But the Bible says that even in her lack of understanding, even in her confusion, probably still in a lot of fear, she says, if God said it, I believe it. May it be as you have said. Man, that is such freedom. Mary was so free in that moment. It didn't mean that it was going to be easy because it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy all the way up to the day she gave birth to Jesus. And it wasn't easy after that. We know she watched him take Jesus' life. It was tough. But she was free to trust God and believe. What can we learn from Mary in that moment? We can learn a lot from her. We can learn a lot from her purity. We can learn a lot from her character. But we can also learn a lot about how she responded to God. Number one, she was honest. She was honest about her confusion, about her fear. I, I love that Mary is very much human. Mary's not the person that talks one way uh, in conversation with her friends, and then when someone asks her to pray, uh, she takes on some other voice and puts on a performance for God. She's not that person. There is an authenticity to her. And she just talks to the angel when she says, I don't understand how this can be. I don't get it. But there's also this desire in Mary to trust God even when she doesn't understand, even when it seems impossible. And I love that. I love that statement. Let it be as you have said. When's the last time you've said that to God? When's the last time you said, God, I don't understand the pandemic. I don't understand what's going on in the world. I don't understand the election and why it went the way it went or whatever. You, whatever it is that you're having a hard time with, and we're all having a hard time with something right now. When's the last time you just gave that to God and said, God, oh, what you have spoken, God, your will be done. God, I'm going to trust you. and I'm just going to do the next thing you've told me to do, and I'm going to trust you with the outcomes. Man, there is great freedom in that, and there's great hope in that. From that moment when Mary said, God, I trust you, whatever it is, even if I don't understand, she was free and she had hope. She had hope. And you can as well, even in a hopeless time, you can live with hope. Again, because God is the God who speaks. So we've looked at Zechariah and we've looked at Mary. Now let's take a look at another one of the great characters of the Christmas events and how God spoke to him. Let's look at Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. If you'll go with me now to the book of Matthew, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Listen to these powerful verses. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So what this is doing is this giving you the backstory to what Joseph was experiencing while Mary was going through uh, her situation as well. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He was a good man. And he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So what I want you to see here is Joseph had made up his mind about what he was going to do. He didn't have all the facts. He didn't understand what was going on. Again, very human. But he's a good man and he loves Mary. He doesn't want to hurt her, doesn't want to shame her, doesn't want to destroy her life. But he thinks something's going awry here as any young man would, right? Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. God is speaking through angels to them. 
in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there, once again, you see a bit of a... Uh, of a pattern here. The angel speaks to Zechariah, and then there's a response. The angel spoke to Mary, there was a response. And now the angel speaks to Joseph, and now we'll get his response. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, watch this, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What a beautiful story. So now we see another response. We see a very human response to the events surrounding his life in the moment. As a young man, he thought Mary had been unfaithful to him. And this thing called being committed to one another, it was like the, the closest thing we have in modern times to what Mary and Joseph, the type of relationship they were in before their official marriage, the closest thing we have is engagement, but it's far more intense. It was called betrothal in their day. And this was actually legal in nature. This was a really big deal. So Joseph was trying really hard to protect and, and not shame Mary, but he had made up his mind. Now watch this. And then God spoke. Now many of you are there right now. You are a person and you've made up your mind about something and you're rolling into this Christmas season and you've made a lot of big decisions. But can I, can I just invite you to allow God to speak into every area of your life? Let me ask you something. Even when you've made your mind up, are you willing to change what you've decided to do if God tells you to? If, if God reveals something to you that you've not seen, if the Word of God points you in a different direction, even if you've made up your mind, are you willing to bend in God's direction? Joseph was. In fact, once he had clarity, once he knew it was God speaking to him, he obeyed. The Bible says he did immediately. He, did, he didn't delay his obedience. He immediately did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. See, often we hear, you and I hear what God has to say to us, but we don't obey. And so what we see here from him is we see obedience. We see obedience. With Zechariah, we saw a lack of belief, unbelief. With Mary, we see surrender. She surrendered to God and trusted him. With Joseph, we see total obedience to God. The question today is, how do you respond to God? He's still speaking to us through His Word. How do you respond when God has a different plan than the one you had in mind? How do you respond when you get clarity from God? He tells you what to do. Do you obey Him? Do you do what He tells you to do? Is God the authority in your life? Is He in charge? It's clear that God was in charge. And when Joseph had decided to obey what the angel of the Lord told him, he could have hope. He could begin to hope in God. He could hope... Just hours before when he went to sleep that night, he was hopeless, right? He thought the love of his life had been unfaithful to him and he woke up after listening to God with a new vision for his life, hope. And, and here's what I want to tell you today. The most free you'll ever be is when you're most obedient to God. When you surrender to Him and obey Him, you can have so much hope. You can trust in Him. The lights of your dark life will turn on when you obey and when you trust and when you surrender to God. But we have one more person. Actually, this is a group of people that God spoke to, and we're going to see how they 
responded now. Finally today, we're going to look at one more group of people this time that God spoke to, and that would be the shepherds, the famous shepherds, the lowly shepherds. Now you need to remember that shepherds were seen as some of the lowest people in society. They literally slept outside on the ground with the animals. They smelled bad. Uh, They were so looked down upon in their society that in the legal courts of law, you could not have a shepherd be a witness legally. It was amazing how, uh, how they were looked down upon. But yet when God is speaking, leading up to the birth of his son, he speaks to Mary and Joseph. He speaks to Zachariah. And then I love that out in the middle of a field, a bunch of stinky shepherds get to hear straight from God about the birth of the Messiah. Let's take a look. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 8. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the field, living out in the fields. That's how they, that's how they did things nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord, there he is again, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And there's, you see their response right out of the gate. They were scared to death. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So we see, first of all, we see the angels' message to them. God speaks. And what I love is that God doesn't just speak to, to the, the, the elite like Zechariah, the smart and educated and well-established like Zechariah. He also speaks to two teenagers like Joseph and Mary. He also speaks to the poor, lowly shepherds out in the field. Isn't it astounding that it doesn't really matter what your socioeconomic background is, your race, where you came from, your past. God loves you and wants to speak to you. What a reason to hope this Christmas. What a reason to to have joy and have hope. Well, how did they respond? Well, we see their response in verse 20. One simple verse, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. for all." Watch this. For all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Heard, seen, and told. And what I want you to see there is the shepherds praised and glorified God because they realized that night, if they didn't know it before, they knew it that night, that their God was the living God. And as he split that sky open that night and they saw millions upon millions of angels begin to sing in that sky and the light of God's glory uh, shined all around them, they knew in that moment, we serve the living God. Our God's not made with human hands. Our God's the living God, and He wants to talk to us. And you and I should be equally astounded that God would want to speak to us. We're not worthy of it, but He loves us, and He speaks to us. And I love how they responded. They responded in worship. They responded in joy. They responded in singing and dancing. They praised God for the fact that He spoke to them. Now, you may be at this point, as we talk through this, you may be saying, easy for Mary and Joseph Easy for Zachariah and those shepherds. God spoke to them. I I would listen if an angel showed up too. I bet you may be thinking that. But did you know that you and I have God speaking to us in just as much clarity as He did to all of them? In fact, 
we have far more access to the clarity of the communication from God. And I'm holding it in my hand. Some of you are holding it on a device. We live in an age where you can have it wherever you go, and it is the Word of God. Now listen, God spoke through angels to Joseph, Mary, Zechariah, and those shepherds. God speaks to us primarily, overwhelmingly primarily, by the way, through His Word. One old writer said it like this, if you want to hear God speak out loud, then read your Bible out loud. And you know, I have seen through my time in Christianity and in the church that sometimes people simply think the Bible is just not enough for them. Like they have the Bible, but they think, well, I need God to speak to me in some other way, some mystical way. And I think that's actually a lack of maturity. It doesn't get any more clear than this. In fact, I would challenge you that when you think God has spoken to you, you need to make sure it lines up with His Word. Whenever someone says to me, well, God told me to do something, I always want to ask them the question, well, how did He tell you to do that? Was it a feeling? Uh, was it uh, some other thing? Was it some nudge that you had? Was it, or was it just something you wanted? I mean, you have to be really careful about that. So I would say that you always do well to stay anchored to the Scriptures. God spoke with clarity through the angel to Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, and the shepherds, and He speaks with great clarity to us. Great theologian John Newton used the example of someone playing a piano. He said, the more you saturate yourself in the Word of God, the more it, your actions become second nature. Like a pianist, after practicing and practicing the notes and the chords and the hand placement and the left and the right hand and the bass and the treble and all those things, when all of that comes together, the pianist stops thinking about where his fingers are, where her hands are. It becomes second nature to them. And that's exactly what we have here. What we have is the ability as Christians to get so deeply in God's Word, His clarity, His clear message to us. Not just a couple of sentences like Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds and Zechariah had, but the entire full counsel of God's Word. We have all of that at our disposal. And if you will saturate your life in this, then serving God and making the right decisions and having hope even in hopeless times and having joy when it seems like there's no reason to be joyful will become more second nature to you. Why? Because you've saturated your life in the Word of God. God is a God who speaks. And this Christmas, you and I can have hope. And one of the reasons we can have hope is that God knows when to show up for us. But today, we're going to have hope because God knows when to speak up to us. He wants to communicate with us, has communicated with us. The question is, are we listening? And when we hear what he has to say, how do we respond? Do we respond like Zachariah? Zachariah? I don't believe that. Or do we respond like Mary? And we go, you know what? I'm afraid. I don't understand. But, but I trust you. Or do we respond like Joseph and just go, you know what? Now that I have clarity, I'm just going to do exactly what you told me to do. Or do we respond like the shepherds and just worship God? Because we're astounded that He would want to talk to us. How do you respond when God speaks to you? Around nine months ago, myself and 12 other people from our church ended up, right as the pandemic was beginning to take off all across the world, we ended up uh, stuck in the Middle East. We were in uh, we were in Bethlehem, actually. Isn't it interesting that here we are at the Christmas season and I'm talking about Bethlehem. And I began to think about the fact that just nine months ago, me and a group of our people from our church, we were on a trip to the Holy Land. We were in a hotel in Bethlehem, and we got stuck there as COVID broke out in our hotel and our entire area. And it was this incredible, long, long story that, that had so many miracles 
Uh, I don't even have time to tell you all of them, but we were going to, we were going to be there for a long time unless some miracles took place for us to be able to get back to the United States. And looking back, we realize now uh, that it could have been longer than we would have ever imagined because of the way the world shut down within days of us getting back to the United States. In order for us to get back, God had to move mountains, and He did. And one thing that happened is I ended up getting connected through some incredible miracles from God. I got connected to a very powerful person in the administration of the Middle East Embassy of the United States. This person, uh, I'm not going to share their name, but this person was a huge help to us. And he and I would talk on the phone. And the day we finally got to leave the hotel and go to the airport in Tel Aviv and head back to the United States, it was a very, very hard and arduous journey to get from the hotel across the border of Israel back to the airport and then get home. It was a really tough thing. A lot of things had to fall into place. Language barriers, legal barriers, all sorts of stuff was happening. There were multiple state departments involved, very complex. This man who had so much clarity and power, he told me as we began that process, he said, I want you to stay on the phone with me. I want you to stay on the phone with me in the van ride there. I want you to stay on the phone with me at the airport. I want you to stay on the phone with me. So me and this guy stayed on the phone. And there were many times when things got crazy that I remembered, oh yeah, all I have to do is ask him. He's right there. I could communicate with him. And he would give me direction. And he would settle me down. And he would say, hey, ask them this. Or when I didn't understand the language, he'd say, this is what they are saying. Or when I would say, oh, this is falling apart. We can't get through this checkpoint. He'd tell me exactly what to do. At the airport, when things were not working out well at all, he was able to walk us through what we needed to do. And I, I remember he told me, he said, listen, I don't want you to stop communicating with me. I don't want you to turn your phone off until you feel the wheels of that plane come up into the plane when it takes off. And I'll never forget, as that happened, I text him. And I said, we have taken off. And I'll never forget what he texted me back. He said, Godspeed. And that was it. Godspeed. Back to me as we miraculously left that area to come back home. Now, I will never forget the fact that I had him talking to me the whole time. In some of the most trying moments of my life, literally. That three or four hours was really hard. But I had him with me the whole time. He was communicating with me. He never stopped communicating. He never stopped leading me. He never stopped helping me. And you know what it gave me the whole time? Even when it would get tough, I'd remember, oh yeah, I've got him here. He will help me through this. My friend at the embassy gave me hope. He gave me hope every step of the way, all the way until that plane took off. And indeed, what he said he could do, get us back home, was happening. Now, in the same way, you and I, we have a direct connection to God through His Word. He spoke through angels to these people we talked about today. He's speaking to you and I. His Word is available to us. He's speaking to you right now. The question is today, how do you respond to God? And my hope today is that you'll respond with obedience, with trust and surrender and joy, and that you will respond with hope. Because we can have hope. We have a God who speaks.